Podcasters, assemble! Hi, this is Arjuna Gonzalez from Thoughts from the Level Editor. Hey everyone, it's Rob, your friendly neighborhood comic geek. This is Becky, Troy's wife. I'm Jason from the Drinkopedia Podcast. This is Kate from the Nerd of Paradise Podcast. Hi, my name is Mike Lucas, also known as Michael Waltrade. This is Troidal Power from the Power Playthroughs Podcast. This is Paul Salt from One Good Thing and Screen Mayhem. I'm Rob Lennon from the Tavi Red, a Wheel of Time Podcast. And this is... Avengers Infinity War. Avengers Infinity War. Infinity War. Avengers Infinity War. Infinity War. Rackets Avengers. Avengers Infinity War. Avengers Infinity War. Avengers Infinity War. Avengers Infinity War. Infinity War at this time of recording is the last Avengers movie before Avengers Endgame. So I'm going to share my thoughts, my opinions, my views. And yeah, this might get a little misty. (laughs) So, so many heroes, all the heroes, really, every single one, except for Hawkeye and Ant-Man, uh, R.I.P. You guys will be missed. Uh, they got house arrested because they have families. Ugh, just get out, get out of the business, you know? Just get out. But it doesn't matter because we got every other person ever existing. What a thing this was to bring all of those actors and characters together in any way trying to be cohesive is a massive, massive accomplishment. The action of Infinity War is typically a bit CGI-heavy for me, but I really enjoyed Hulk fighting Thanos early on. Um, It was a one-to-one fight that had some good choreography and managed to communicate well that these are two huge beings just sort of punching each other. There was a good weight to the, uh, the movements there. And it's also just fun to see Thanos do some physical business before he gets all of his superpowers. Favorite dangling thread? Uh, I mean, this movie has all of the dangling threads. Um, They've been dangling them in front of us ever since this movie came out. But like Thor said, Loki has been dead before. I even remember watching um, the Hot Ones episode where they had Scarlett Johansson on. And I think Sean Evans posed the theory that Loki isn't really dead. That was the fake Loki that we saw get killed by Thanos because he stabbed with a different hand than he usually uses. Think about that. And, right. You get the idea that this character of Thanos is an unstoppable force. The big bad himself been teased for like the last five or six years or something like that since Guardians 1. Since Avengers 1, really. Uh, Thanos. We finally get to see him in all of Josh Brolin's acting goodness. And I want to say, one, the CGI is great, but two... I think Josh Bowen really carries something that maybe no other actor could have done, which is that weight, uh, that villainous, that villainous voice is really good on Josh Bowen, but also that weight that he has in his acting, that this is a decision he's made, but he hasn't made lightly. And I think that really carries throughout the entire film and really makes it a Thanos story, like the Russo brothers set it out to be. 
And that really marks maybe not the best villain ever. He might, arguably, he might not be the best villain. Uh, that's all personal preference. But he definitely has something that the other villains haven't, which is a whole epic saga for his motivations. I'm not a huge fan of Thanos's like, I call it a, a popped collar, sleeveless polo shirt look. But I'm not, I'm also not a huge fan of the way they're designing his armor. Like, I just would have gone with trying your best to straight replicate what he does in, in what Jim Starlin did when he designed the character in the comic books. Not the original appearance. You go back and see the original appearance, he looks very weird. But over time, you know, once you get to Infinity Gauntlet, I think the character had a really strong design. And I know they would have had to adapt that a little bit, but I don't know. It's just for whatever reason. Wong and Doctor Strange are at the New York Sanctum, and they're trying to get lunch, but Wong doesn't have any money on him, and Doctor Strange is like, you telling me you don't have any money on you? And Wong says, attachment to the material is detachment from the spiritual. And Doctor Strange says, I'll tell the guys at the deli. Maybe they'll make you a metaphysical ham on rye. I really like the snark-off scene that we get between uh, Tony Stark and Doctor Strange. Uh, Banner has crashed back onto Earth and is warning everyone that, that Thanos is coming. And and Doctor Strange and Tony Stark both, like, take the threat seriously enough that they're talking to each other, even though they've never met before. But they don't take it so seriously that they're not going to have a power measuring contest, uh, I guess is what I'll call it. Uh, maybe maybe Jason would call it a dangle measuring contest. In any case, um, they they both are comfortable enough with themselves that they're like, listen, there's an imminent threat coming. I get that, but I'm going to prove that I'm the coolest guy in the room. What I love about it is that it, it gets shut down kind of twice. First, it gets shut down by the idea that, like, Tony, you really got to call Cap. Like, you got to do it. And and that means you've you've got to eat crow. You've got to admit that, like, I made a mistake. And before he can finish doing that, the wind starts to blow. And we find out that the children of Thanos have arrived in New York City. So Stanley's moment in this movie um, starts with Spider-Man and Ned on a school bus. And... Um, all of a sudden, Spider-Man is like, Ned, hurry, I need to make, I, you need to make a distraction. And Ned starts freaking out, and then all the kids on the school bus are, like, screaming and running. And so Spider-Man is able to um, put on his suit real quick, and I think he jumps out the window. But, um, so then it, it pans forward to the driver of the school bus, which is Stanley, And he turns around, and he's like, What's the matter with you kids? You never seen a spaceship before? With best villain moment, of course it's all about Thanos, and I'm sure that's what most of your answers have been about, but there's a moment I remember from the trailer, and it really stood out to me in the film, and it's Ebony Moore putting his finger to his lips to shush Doctor Strange as he's being tortured. I really liked Moore. He was a very sinister little condescending bad guy with some really interesting magical powers that uh, led to a really interesting fight with um, Doctor Strange. It's kind of a shame to see him die so early, so I'm going to give him a mention here. There's still a lot of weird things of the, I'm going to kill half of everything slowly, oh no, I'm going to get the, the, the stones into it, and these are my acolytes, but they're just sort of like mini-bosses. You know, they really just kind of serve that purpose. 
my favorite action scene, I mean, this movie, honestly, is like 80% action scene, 10% exposition, and 10% vibranium, and then 0.1% high fructose corn syrup. But I think it would be the battle in New York with Maw and his giant alien dude against Iron Man, Doctor Strange, Spider-Man, and Bruce Banner trying to turn into the Hulk. As I said in the Doctor Strange episode, like, those action scenes with all the weird reality warping stuff are incredibly cool in my book, and I've liked the Iron Man movie and the action scenes in those as well. Like, those two characters are two of my favorite characters in the MCU universe, so... Hi, this is Editor Arjuna. I want to apologize for my past self saying MCU universe to the five people who will be annoyed by this. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have to go get some money from the ATM machine. To see them fighting together with Iron Man's nano suit and Doctor Strange's weird reality warping powers is very fun and cool to watch. Uh, I think they did as good a job as they could, given the circumstances. There were some that what felt like story hiccups where we're just like, ah, we're just going to ignore maybe what's been happening. Knowing we're coming into so many things in the middle of the story, like the Vision and Scarlet Witch, they're super a couple now. We got hints of that before, but like, why does the Vision look like a normal person? They're in Scotland? Okay. I think my favorite, like of all the heroes, though, I think my favorite hero moment is Kevin Feige's. Kevin Feige's decision to give Chris Evans his goddamn glorious beard. Wow. What a rugged man. Captain America, indeed. Captain America, indeed. Holy shit. R.I.P. Cap, uh, uh, Cap Beard. Because it won't be an endgame, which I think was the worst marketing decision Marvel's ever made in life. But we got it for one movie, guys. And if I could just rub my fingers through that thing one time, that would be all I need to die happy. So when I was compiling what I was going to say for this episode, I guess Drax keeps coming up. Uh, we have his iconic line, it's like a pirate had a baby with an angel. That just cracks me up so much. It's so accurate, and I don't know, Drax is a pretty hilarious guy. My favorite dialogue comes from the scene that I really loved, where Rocket and Four are talking about all that Four has lost and why he carries on. And if he's up to it. Uh, it's a lovely scene and a side of both characters that we don't see very often. It's very endearing to see Rocket try to be the compassionate leader, but not quite having the language or temperament for it. Um, and at the end, Rocket asks, what if you're wrong? And Thor replies, well, if I'm wrong, what more can I lose? It's a really sweet and sad moment. Um, trying to get me to think that... Uh... Thanos is a relatable villain is a bit tough. Uh, I wish that this Thanos felt, I don't know, it's like they give him a philosophical edge and they try to give him a bit of a heart, but he's not the Jim Starlin Thanos that I have come to love that is one of my favorite comic characters of all time, who is such a philosopher. Where here he's, they're doing sort of the religious fanatic thing. He's like, I have to do this because I have to. And then of course everybody in the who sees it afterwards who goes online sees the comments of, why didn't you just double the resources if, if that was the problem? Like, wouldn't that literally do exactly the same thing? Or, you know, double the size of all the planets and keep the people the same, you know, whatever it might have been. 
My favorite villain moment would be the scene where the other Guardians of the Galaxy get back to nowhere to figure out what's happened with the Reality Stone, which was left with the Collector, I believe at the end of Thor The Dark World. And the way it plays out where Gamera sneaks up on and stabs Thanos in the neck and chest seemingly, but because Thanos has already gotten to the Reality Stone, the whole thing was just a mirage that he created. The way it's done, it is so obviously anticlimactic that you immediately suspect, okay, what the hell is going on here? But it still feels like a weird swerve. Um, it also gives us our first plot hole, because if Thanos can warp reality, then why can't he just summon the other stones? My favorite villain moment is the Thanos and Gamora throne room scene. There's some good stuff with Thanos and Gamora, kind of giving us more of a background on their situation. But what I really thought was interesting is when he's describing his twisted justification for his so-called salvation of the universe, I thought that's really, really interesting because, you know, he's not like a lot of villains who are just pure evil. He actually wants to change the universe in his mind for the better. And I just think that adds a really interesting dimension and makes Thanos a very, very interesting character. My favorite villain moment is seeing the tears in Thanos' eyes, and you realize that Thanos is truly saddened at the thought of having to kill Gamora for the Soul Stone. Gamora was so sure that Thanos harbored no real emotional attachments to anything. Then seeing her reaction to Thanos' sorrow was truly chilling. Thanos is certainly not your textbook superhero movie villain. Getting the Soul Stone is a rough scene. Um, Gamora ends up taking Thanos to where the Soul Stone is because she can't bear to see Nebula being tortured, which already starts this off at a rough place because it was so nice to get to see Gamora and Nebula kind of get closer in, in uh, Guardians 2. So now to see her be like, potentially sacrificing the entire universe to try to help her sister is kind of heartbreaking. And then ultimately, basically what happens is in order to get the soul stone, you have to sacrifice that which you most love. A life for a life is, is what Thanos is told. And Gamora thinks that that means the universe is one because he doesn't love anything. And uh, he chucks her off a cliff because he supposedly loves her. And I know a lot of people had problems with this scene. And I, I, I have a problem with this scene because I don't think Thanos actually loves Gamora I think he loves Gamora in his own twisted, effed up worldview where he thinks that's what love is. But like, he's an abusive father. He's a dick. He does not love his child. He wants to control his child. And screw that. It's awful. And that's not love. And so the fact that the movie kind of, kind of allows him to call that love does not sit right with me. It's still an intense scene. It's still like terrifying but i don't know I, I i almost hope that endgame retcons this somewhat uh somehow and makes it so it's not it, it's the thing you least want to sacrifice but that doesn't mean it's the thing you love thanos doesn't want to sacrifice gamora sure but he doesn't love a reader the soul stone you know you know red skull he's like you know the stone the, the soul stone holds the best place in all the stones you know for you to obtain, you know, it's a soul for a soul. Now, he threw Gamora off, and everybody assumes she's dead. 
But if you you know, in the, if you pay attention to the Infinity War, you know, comics and and whatnot, you know, Gamora is actually trapped inside of the Soul Stone. And so I'm thinking, you know, maybe that's you know, future plot twist. And then the whole interchange with Peter Quill, and he's asking, where's Gamora? And then Tony Stark says, yeah, I'll do you one better. Who's Gamora? And then Drax says, I'll do you one better. Why is Gamora? That's <laughs> so, so classic and hilarious. I love it. The whole scene uh, when they land on Titan and the whole, the whole battle with Thanos. I mean, you had... You had Doctor Strange uh, emulating, you know, Hindu gods. You had Spider Man going through freaking, going through teleports. I mean, through uh, through uh, teleporting holes. You know, yelling quips and stuff at uh at Thanos while he's kicking him, like like you know, like he's in a video game, like right here behind you, miss me, you know, things like that. This movie's got a lot of good action. I really love getting to see the heroes work together, and, and there's a lot of different instances of this. But my favorite is when. The team is fighting Thanos on Titan, uh, and and it, it's it's the scene building up to where they almost win until Star Lord screws it up. Uh, but before we get to that point, there's a great like team fight against Thanos, and the best part is absolutely when Doctor Strange is throwing up portals that Spider-Man is jumping through to punch uh, Thanos in the face. So he jumps through a portal, punches him in the face, he goes, magic! And he jumps again through another portal, goes, magic! And then he does it again, but he kicks him this time, and he goes, magic with a kick! Absolutely the best. Um, Drax was Drax and he sliced. Thanos in, in, in the back of his knee. So, you know, things of that nature. That whole, the whole battle scene was great. It was like, that's, that's a great action scene. It's just the, the drama and the storytelling, the things of that nature that went on in that, in that whole battle. The whole, the whole like 20 something minutes. I think it was like 20 something minutes. It was great. That was literally my favorite action scene movie. My favorite action scene would be the battle on Titan, Thanos' home planet. Everyone worked together as a team, and everything worked to perfection. Great down to Doctor Strange being able to drop Mantis directly onto Thanos and have her put him to sleep. Although, I will say, when they were struggling to pull the Infinity Gauntlet off, I kept saying to myself, Just chop his arm off! Yeah, I know it's kind of dark, we're talking about half the universe at stake here. With an ensemble like this, with, with an event like this, there are bound to be some big old action scenes. Uh, there's two I want to mark out for specific reasons. One, the space sequence uh, with the Avengers kind of A or B team uh, fighting Thanos. I think one that's super fantastic because it shows a myriad of different powers, but also in unison, you know? They all worked really well. It was a spectacle of all these different crazy powers and abilities and skill sets coming together uh, for one singular, uh, one singular villain. And I think that worked out really fantastic. It shows that Thanos can hold himself against like seven separate Avengers or heroes. And that's that, that was with the Infinity Gauntlet for the most of the time. But also, he was able to hold himself a little bit without it. And I think that really shows his power set. And I think that really makes it exciting, really makes it epic, really makes the stakes high. My, my favorite villain moment in the movie, obviously, is from Thanos. Um, Thanos is great. I just want to say that, first and foremost. Thanos had lots of, of great villain movies, villain moments in this movie. 
my favorite villain movie of Thanos is when they all have Thanos pinned down. You know, they're getting the gauntlet off of him. They're almost getting the gauntlet off of him. Mantis has got him, you know, got him in a trance. Iron Man and Spider-Man are pulling on the gauntlet. And, you know, of course, freaking Chris Pratt, Star-Lord, comes in there. And he's just like, he's just a dick. And he's just like, yeah, I told you what, this is my plan. It's my plan. Where is Gamora? My Gamora. No, no, no. No, my Gamora. No, who? And she's like, he's in pain. And he's he's like, why is he in pain? And then freaking Nebula's like, he has a soul stone. And then it hits him. He's like, tell me you didn't do it. And he's like, I had no And And he's like, start, he gets mad and starts smacking him with the, with the gun. You know, with his, with his blaster. My favorite line of dialogue is Star-Lord confronting Thanos and saying, I'm going to blow that nutsack of a chin right off your face. What makes this even more awesome is I laughed out loud at this line while sitting next to my 12-year-old son. In that moment, he was the more mature of the two of us. Yeah, quality dad moment there for me. You know I mean, and then loses Mantis's grip. Thanos just, he breaks out. You know, and literally it becomes no more Mr. Nice Guy. Thanos isn't playing games with anybody anymore. Literally, it just starts to crush things. Literally throws a freaking moon <laughs> at Tony Stark. And Iron Man literally throws a moon. Starts just decimating everyone on the battlefield. Just destroying things. To the point where, you know, it's going so bad. And Doctor Strange literally has to offer him the time stone for him to stop. Because that dude was pissed. Literally just putting his foot down and stomping it. At this point in time, he's already had going through all feeling all kinds of anguish and anger and, and pain and you know. Before this happened, he, he even tried to reason with Tony. You know, he used a reality stone and, and showed him Titan and explain like you know what he wants to do isn't something you know say it's it's noble in his eyes you know kill half the population of the whole universe and you know he, he sits and tells you know tells Sony like you know the, the the children they they don't know anything but 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 happy moments and uh, and, and full bellies you know because in in Thanos's world you know feasting you know no famine and things like that the nature where we're prevalent you know that's that's comic book stuff but you know uh side note one of my favorite uh, outfits for Thanos is actually the uh, farmer outfit from Marvel's that's on Marvel's Captain Infinite from the uh comic books but anyway that's not here or there so Thanos he, he proceeds to destroy them all and then stabs Tony in the abdomen with his own blade my favorite villain moment in that whole movie was that moment when Thanos just he his his rage took over and he just began to decimate all the event well the Avengers and the Guardians all in like one fell swoop. My favorite dangling thread would be seeing exactly what Doctor Strange saw as the one outcome of the fourteen million possible outcomes that constitutes a win. It seems that Doctor Strange knew that he must die and that Tony Stark must live. 
But what exactly did the doc see? My favorite hero moment is the whole sequence where Thor and Groot and Rocket and Eltry the Dwarf create Stormbreaker. So first they need to move the giant space station rings around the dead star into place in order to harness energy from it again. And Thor goes back out into space without a spacesuit because Thor can breathe in space somehow. And he's like riding the pod from outside by this giant tether. And he, I guess you could say jet skis down the side of the ring until he reaches the edge and then gets caught on it and he just pushes it and he's getting pulled at the same time by the pod piloted by rocket and the ice that's keeping it jammed in place breaks apart and then everything moves into place and the dying star heats back up and it starts zapping the energy into the forge to make Stormbreaker. but then there's some part that makes it work that breaks apart and so thor and so thor gets back in there and he holds it open so while the star is just shooting all this fire and energy into the forge Thor is getting some of it in the back and he's almost totally burnt to a crisp by the end of it it's it's one of if not the most awesome moment in the film my favorite hero moment is when Thor is taking on the full force of a dying star and he's warned that he'll be killed if he does that and he does it anyway to me that's true heroism in a big big way he is willing to sacrifice himself for the good of the universe my favorite hero moment comes when Groot cuts off his own arm in order to provide thor with the shaft for stormbreaker the whole movie shows Groot as an angsty teenager this is the climactic moment where Groot theoretically grows up and becomes the hero we all know him to be my favorite hero moment from avengers infinity war there was actually, there's a lot of them. I think my favorite, though, and it may be minuscule to some, would be when they're on Limbalier and, you know, they're trying to put together the hammer and they're looking for the handle. And Thor's literally dying. Literally, he took on the, the full force of a star. <laughs> and they're trying to find a hammer so they can put Stormbreaker together. And... Groot, who's been, you know, who's been a little douchebag, to say the least, uh, through the whole the whole movie, literally does the most selfless thing he's probably done since the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie. Movie, and he grabs the hammer pieces, he sticks them together, he holds it up, and he chops his arm off, literally, literally saving Thor's life. Had he not done that, Thor might have perished. We don't know if they ever would have found the handle, you know, things of that moment. Um, that's, a, that's a subtle hero moment, you know, because I think that everyone has their, they have some form of a hero moment in here, but, you know, for group coming, coming up from a little, from a little, a little sapling, growing all over again, because, you know, for those who don't know, you know, group kind of sacrificed himself in the first Garden of the Galaxy. But, um, yeah, like, and he was essentially, he's going, he's in, he's pre-adolescence, you know, he's, he's a teenager. He's going, he's growing, he's growing up and for him to do such a thing and he literally saving a Norse god, literally just saved his life by sacrificing a part of yourself. 
you know, and at the end of the day, you know, the hero moments don't have to be defined as, you know, doing something awesome in battle or jumping in front of a train or things of that nature. Little things like that, I feel personally qualify as a hero moment. My favorite action moment in Avengers Infinity War has got to be the Wakanda scene towards the end. We've got most of our heroes together and executing some excellent teamwork. And, you know, I almost thought they had Thanos. Obviously, uh, they didn't. <laughs> but before they get to all the dust and sadness, there was some really, really fun moments. And it was just crazy. You've got all those crazy dog things breaking through the barrier and they're trying to fight them all off. And Thanos comes and it's just madness. And... That is what a good action movie is all about. We've seen the Avengers fight a nameless, faceless army before. The powerhouses in this really get to stretch out their legs, you know, in terms of fighting the nameless, faceless army. We get Cap. We get Black Panther just doing a job. Their jobs are great. I really enjoy them. We get Scarlet Witch lifting a big thing. Wow, she's so strong. We get Thor. He comes in with the god powers, and the axe, and the group. It's great. My favorite line of dialogue, I have two candidates here. There's the one in the final battle in Wakanda where Bruce Banner is in his giant Hulk-sized Iron Man suit, and he keeps trying to turn into the Hulk, and he, like, is in his head, he turns into the Hulk for just a second, and the Hulk is just like, no! And Banner has been trying to turn into the Hulk throughout this whole movie, and he just yells, I'll screw you, you big green asshole! I'll do it myself! It's just that line is delivered with such legit rage. I loved it. The scene where Thor arrives is possibly one of the greatest moments in the entirety of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. You know, um, I guess for, for another plus hero moment, I guess we can, we can stay with Thor and him appearing in Wakanda. And literally the Stormbreaker is going in a huge circle and taking out everybody. And then you just you just hear Bruce Banner in the Iron Man suit like, Oh, you're you're in trouble now, da 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 you know, and then you know, Chris Helmsworth with all like his in all his thorness, you know, bring me Thanos and literally just goes and decimates the battlefield. Like, at that point because the rest of them were getting destroyed. I'm not a huge fan of Thor's subplot in this movie. The whole idea that he has to go get a weapon in order to beat Thanos feels weird to me since his last movie, Ragnarok, that I, I just watched, and it was all about how he doesn't need his weapon, the power's inside of him all along. So I don't know, it, it, feels, it feels a little weird that that's his plot in this movie. Uh, but I don't care because him showing up in the battle at Wakanda at the end is phenomenal. He just shows up and lays waste to Thanos' hordes, and it's fantastic. I love seeing Thor in action. I love when Thor is ridiculously overpowered. The only thing that would have made this scene, this scene better, the only thing that would have made this scene better would be if Immigrant Song was playing in the background during it. So there's no audio here from Robo Gonzalez, even though Vision is in this movie. He stopped listening to the Beyonce album, but uh, at a certain point towards the end, he went, Oh my god, they killed Vision, you bastards! So yeah, he's kind of shaken up by that. I don't think he's going to be around for the Ant-Man and the Wasp episode. 
My favorite line of dialogue in Avengers Infinity War is this. My, my best impression of it. <clears throat> uh, you, you should have gone for the head. That. That is literally my favorite line of dialogue in that whole movie. Because literally, Thor had the moment. He had the shot. You know, it's like if, if it's a game of basketball and, you know, you're, you're, you're either going to be Michael Jordan and you're going to make the shot or you're going to be you're going to be LeBron James. You're going to take the shot and it's not going to be enough points to win the game. He throws Stormbreaker, mortally wounds Thanos. Because at this point in the movie, you know, Thanos isn't wearing armor anymore. He's literally just walking around. You know, like he's just, like he's Joey Bat, and Stormbreaker hits him in the chest. And he pushes in, slowly pushes in. Doesn't push hard enough to push all the way to, like, cut through his heart or anything like that. Just in the chest. Not realizing, hey, this dude has an affinity gauntlet on. This dude has six stones. Maybe we should take him out. Nope. Just in his chest. Thanos just looks at him. You should have gone for the head. Snaps his finger, you know, snaps his fingers, and and teleports out. Stormbreaker hits the ground with purple blood all over it, and you know we all know what happened next. Mister Stark, I don't feel so good, but yeah, it's, the, the movie's dark. Like I said, you know, it's it's a great movie, but it's a dark movie. Uh, the best hero moment for me is very nearly Captain America's reveal, but as a different Captain who's not quite present, probably got the bigger reaction out of me. Um, after the melancholy of that ending, and the long, long credit sequence, uninterrupted by a mid-credit sequence, to much to everybody's disappointment, we finally get Nick Fury in his own tragic little scene, and he pulls out his little device in a final moment of desperation, and as he disappears, we pan to the device, and Captain Marvel's already recognizable symbol appears. A little beacon of hope to the beleaguered audience. It's, it's really stunning, and it's a very cool moment. At the end of Infinity War, the, in the extra credits, you see Nick Fury and uh, Maria Hill, you know, and he's going, and she dissolves, and he's going, he's running for his pager, and he, and he hits the button to summon, you know, Captain Marvel. You know, she's in the Captain Marvel movie. Um, and in Sam Jackson form, he's just like, mother f and then, you know, dissolves. There's some things where if you try to peel it apart, of course you're going to find flaws. But the way that they were able to split up their story and really go sort of two towers on it, right, where you have your characters in space and your characters on Earth, and trying to balance out those different storylines. I think they did a really good job. My favorite dangling thread in Avengers Infinity War was not how we're going to beat Thanos, but literally how much is going to have to be sacrificed to beat Thanos. Since the beginning of since the beginning of uh, Avengers Infinity War, you know, when when they show up and they're they're destroying all of Thor's people, all of all the Asgardians and whatnot, you know, with 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 Loki there and 
and you know them having a Hulk and literally Thanos just dispatching Hulk in like 17 seconds. I think it was literally 17 seconds. Cause I'm pretty sure I literally timed it. <laughs> Hit him in the throat, two piece biscuit. Yo, he's down. So all the while, they're all know. You know, all you know. It's the Infinity Stones have always existed in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Like they've always been mentioned. You know. Guardians of the Galaxy at the end of the movie, uh, you know, with the freaking Mind Stone and the Tesseract being the freaking, you know what I'm saying, space one. Like, fun fact, all the Infinity Stones, uh, they're all called something different. You know what I mean? Uh, they're not, like, they're not referred to as uh, reality, space, time, and anything until Infinity War. They're all called funky names that spell out Thanos uh, in the MCU, if anybody ever really pays attention to that. But, uh, anyway, so... They know he's gathering Infinity Stones, and it's just like he's, you know, he's sending, you know, out, you know, Evan Moore and all these cats to go get the stuff. And it's just you're getting to the point, like, yo, how many people have to die, like, and you just while you watch death upon death upon death within the first ten minutes of the movie, Loki dies. Um, God, I can't, I can't think of his name off the top of my head, but uh, it just Elba's character. He dies. Like, literally, Thanos is just, just killing people. Collector, we don't know if Collector's dead, but I'm pretty sure Collector's dead. Um, just death and destruction. Gamora, well, I don't want to talk about that, because I don't think she's dead, but that's, that's theory crafting. Um, anywho, you know, it's just, it's just the destruction that Thanos is calling, you know, is causing, you know, along the way. And people are like, oh my god, yo, he snapped his fingers and took out like took out Black Panther, took out the Winter Soldier, you know, um Falcon, et cetera, et cetera. Can, do we do we do we not see how he just freaking that dude just rolled up on vision and just and just yanked his head, yanked the stone out of his head, like just mind stone, boom, give it here. You know what I mean? Like just eliminating people. There were so many people that that freaking died in this movie. Not just good, but bad guys too. Like a lot of people died in this movie. Dangling threads. This entire movie is a tapestry of masterfully woven threads. Impossible to pick just one dangling thread. <laughs> the seamless connections in this movie amazed me so much that it brought me from just being a casual Marvel fan to wanting to dig in deeper and watch these movies more, learn more about Marvel lore, and add it to my ever-growing list of fandoms. Yeah, Infinity War is a great film, but it, in my mind, is watched in... It's amazing that we were able to get there, and that all the other films are there, but if I'm going to go back and just pick a Marvel movie to watch, I don't know if I'm going to watch all of Infinity War. I feel like there's a couple scenes, maybe, that you could just watch on YouTube that you really love, uh, but I think overall, for a film, it is so thick, right? And it's so weighted down by everything else, and it's such a sort of middle film, I feel like I would be more likely to watch, say, Guardians of the Galaxy, or Doctor Strange, or Iron Man, maybe even the first Avengers movie, rather than uh, Infinity War again. Like, I'm sure I'll watch it right before the endgame comes out, but I don't know that it's going to stand as one of the best. What it did is unprecedented in the history of film, I think. And yes, I am counting uh, Monster Squad and Abbott and Costello meet 
the mummy or whatever it is where they did have big crossover sort of things previously in cinema but to have that much going on in that film and all of those characters who we already know each from their own film franchise is insane the best dangling fred oof i mean much everything got resolved in the end right i guess i'm curious how tony's gonna break the news to aunt may what that scene's gonna be like considering their history but um yeah otherwise i think all the loose ends were pretty much tied up standalone story how dark this movie ended i loved the humor sprinkled all throughout tony stark calling ebony mall squidward peter parker introducing himself as peter parker to dr strange hearing dr strange introduce himself by his real title of dr strange then Peter saying, uh-oh, oh, we're using nicknames? Oh, I'm Spider-Man. Star-Lord getting jealous of the God-Man they found in space and then started to change his voice to a lower register, which didn't fool anybody. I laughed at this movie more than any other in the MCU universe. Finally, I think it's very impressive that Infinity War works as well as it does. It has so many characters and so many story threads to negotiate. The fact that the film manages to maintain the dynamics between characters and even improve a few of them um, is kind of miraculous. It's a real feat of screenwriting, and I think you have to admire it for that. I think my, my favorite dangling thread of this, it's obviously this movie is building up to Endgame. This really is a part one. I know originally they were calling this Infinity War part one, then they changed it. Now we know that the next movie is going to be called Endgame. But it really does feel like a part one. So most of the dangling threads are things that we're going to find out about in part two. But the the one that I think is the most interesting is one that I don't think we'll hear about in Endgame, which is uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I love Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. just did not address Thanos in, in the season that was running when this movie came out. Um, and then their, their next season has been delayed. So it actually starts up again just after Endgame comes out. And I'm really curious to see if that season's going to deal with with Infinity War and the Thanos snap apocalypse at all, or if that's just going to be a thing that doesn't happen as far as Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. go. I know that show's starting to wrap up, um, which bums me out because I, I think the promise of of that show being an ongoing tie-in to the movies was a really cool idea. It hasn't worked out that way. It's still a great show, but man, it would be cool if we got just a full season of them dealing with half the world being wiped out. I think that that could have been a really cool buildup towards um, towards Endgame. It obviously would require a time gap that I don't know if Endgame is going to have. It could be starting up three days after Infinity War, but if, if they had made it set a year afterwards, I think that could have been really cool. And, and uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. would have given a sweet opportunity for that. Do I think all these people are like dead? Dead, like dead, dead? Um, I think some, I think some of them are, or some of them are trapped in the soul stone. I don't know. There's a lot of theories behind it. I mean, wow. What a dangling thread. Half, half of our heroes are gone. Dusted. The villain wins. What is this movie? And I think that was a really bold choice. One. I mean, what are we going to expect anything else? It's a two parter. We always knew that Avengers four was going to happen right after this, that they filmed it sub- uh, subsequently, Lord of the Rings style, that this was going to lead up to something else, that this was not going to be done in one and done. But half, half of our heroes, Spider-Man, Strange, Black Panther, he just killed it at the box office, he's dead? That was a bold choice, and I think that was a, 
that was a premeditated choice. I don't think they just suddenly pulled the plug on some people. I think they have a plan. And I think for the last year, we've all been, I mean, this podcast is an example. We've all been anticipating. We've all been waiting. We've all been speculating. And here it comes right now. Endgame 2019. Here we go. This movie was about 200, two hours, 20 minutes. And they tried to pack a lot into this movie. They tried to cover a lot of things in this movie. Death and despair. and You know, like, literally, I think they killed, like, 26 people in this movie. Literally. Like, 26 main, like, Marvel, Marvel figures died in this movie. I'm so excited to go see Endgame. And I have theories. So I'm excited to see what direction this movie goes. And hopefully we see some of our dear friends that we've lost to Ash. I think it's going to be amazing. Can't wait. This film, if you go back and watch it multiple times or even a second time, notice that it is built for audience applause moments. They have all of these moments in there where something big happens and then, you know, there's no dialogue. It sits there. The music swells. One of the big themes comes back and it's there for the audience to applaud. Captain America shows up. You know, Thor shows up. Um, Groot grabs what's going to become Stormbreaker. Like there's so much happening here that is built strictly for, okay, now please clap. And I hope that that's not Endgame. I hope that Endgame has one or two of those moments, certainly at the end. We all hope that there's a moment where Captain America finally says, Avengers assemble, everybody's there, a huge army fighting off against Thanos, and maybe we'll get that big fight scene from Infinity Gauntlet, though they lost, spoilers, in the comic book. Uh, But to have this army of superheroes facing off against this character would be fantastic. Podcasters Assemble Probably is a production of the We Can Make This Work Probably podcast network. This episode edited and produced by me, Troidal Power. Find more of our shows at probablywork.com and learn how to join the initiative and contribute to future episodes of Podcasters Assemble Probably by looking us up on Twitter as at Casters Assemble. Submissions are always open. Thank you to everyone who was able to contribute to this episode. Be sure to check the show notes for links to all the places you can find them online.
Special thanks to executive producer Tyler Thornton for keeping this show on track. It's crazy because people that you wouldn't have expected to die, died. Like, I'm still dumbfounded how Nebula's still alive, but they killed Spider-Man off like, I'm like, what? Podcasters Assemble probably will return in Ant-Man and the Wasp. So, if Thor's got his axe, and the handle is made from a branch from Groot, but Groot was destroyed when Thanos snapped his fingers after acquiring all the Infinity Stones, but the handle is still there, but then Groot was destroyed, but the handle is still preserved and it didn't dissolve, and if you were watching a YouTube version of this, you'd see all sorts of math equations floating over the screen. And as usual, was Howard the Duck killed at the end of the movie? Did he survive? Does he come in and save the day at the last minute?